We're lucky enough to be in the office of Edmonton Elks President Victor Kui. Now, the first time that you came on my radar, I don't know if you remember this, you direct messaged me, I think it was on Twitter or LinkedIn. I was on Twitter. So you remember, and you wanted to have a chat, and this was before you were named president, and I thought, you know, this guy's got ties to YEG. Could he be the next president? Sure enough, we didn't actually get to have that conversation before you were named president, but finally for the first time in the flesh, man, thanks for making some time. And what has it been like for you getting used to this role? Well, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because maybe I think that was probably like 2019 or like it was really quite early that I had reached out and I said, who are leaders across the league across the CFL that are invested in its success and know about it, the, both the good and the bad. And I wanted to just get some, some opinions on it, on, on it because I only had an opinion as a fan. I'd never had any understanding of the inner workings of the league. I'd never been privy to that. So I really wanted to understand, is there, you know, what was some of the insider perspective of it, which is why I reached out to you. So I guess to your question of where, how has it been or, you know, um, I think definitely the first year has been a steep learning curve of understanding what as an organization and as a league we are capable of, what we're not capable of. I would say that across the board with all of the other presidents and other CEOs, it's a phenomenal level of leadership and, and, and knowledge and passion for the, for the league. So I think when you get together with other people that are driven by a purpose of how do we make this a fantastic league for all Canadians? It, it, it you know, feeds this fire in your belly to, to succeed. And when you're around a group of peers that all think that way, it's a, it's a pretty incredible experience. Despite all the challenges we have, it's a, it's, you know, I think we have the right leadership team to, to make the changes that we need to. The CFL has been known in the past, at least, as a bit of an old boys club, so to speak. Do you feel comfortable when you go into presidents and league meetings now voicing either your perspective or your opinion based on your past? Because you've been very successful with what you've done before you were the Elks president. Um, well, thank, thank you for that compliment. But uh, I would say everybody in the league has been very successful in many other aspects of their, of their life, including the team owners. And, you know, we've got, we've got a, I would say the league is actually representative of um, a very deep knowledge base of expertise of the world of sports in Canada. So we're very fortunate to have that. Um, uh, I think in general, we all recognize that we need to innovate. We need to figure out how to innovate our product, how to innovate the game from the rules to um, the off season, just all of that. And everyone's trying to figure out what that is. Nobody has the exact answer, but there is a deep willingness to continue this innovation and, and make the biggest impact that we can. How can the CFL innovate from a bunch of different facets, but particularly content? And that's something that you know really well from the entity that you built up in Asia into the number one sports content brand there. So how can you do that with the CFL in Canada and make it number one? Uh, I think in general in Canada, our sports content from a digital perspective has, um, our growth has been slower than other parts of the world that are very digital focused. And I say that because the dominance of mobile use as a communication tool, you know, outside of Canada and particularly in Asia is next level. Like everybody in Asia would carry two phones as 
as it was practicality, you know, and in some cases three. Like it's just a very. What do you be, use two and three phones for? Well, it depends. <laughs> the other part of it is because you're, the countries are a lot closer, right? You know, here you travel three and a half hours and you're still in our country. In Asia, you travel three and a half hours and that radius you're hitting, I don't know, a dozen different countries. So the, the scale is a little bit different and that's not necessarily apples and apples to what we're doing here. But I think to your question about uh, how are we innovating as, as digital content, I think I would make the argument that the Edmonton Elks are leading the way of all the teams in in our in our production of digital content and storytelling. I think we are an absolute content juggernaut right now from our video production. And it's not like we 10x our staff. We have implemented processes that I've built over the last 10 years and dropped that knowledge so we could be more efficient in what we're doing and to grow um, our that digital side of the business. Our, as an example, our Facebook page grew by 140% this last year. The average growth of every other team in the league was below 1%. And that's specifically because I understand that, that, that space. And I've spent and wasted a lot of money previously, you know, in trying to figure that out. So now we have that advantage of, of not having to do that. That allows us to talk to our fan base in a very direct, immediate way, give them the kind of content that they want but also service the kind of Edmonton Elk fan that is across the spectrum of a fan. So you've got hardcore fans that follow the sport every single day, all the way to someone who's just barely heard about our team name, because maybe they've just moved to Canada. And so this allows us to figure out and to try and give different types of content and different types of product offerings to, to appeal to a wider base. And you touched on it there, the new Canadians. That's really where the CFL needs to get into in terms of getting them into the buildings and fans of the teams. Like, I'm kind of putting words in your mouth, but I think you probably would agree. Is that right? I think I would say not just new Canadians, but it's new fans. So our total addressable market in the past would have been focused as a strategy on our existing season seat holders, of which we had a very, very strong base, and as, all, as most teams in the leagues do. But... The key to growing a sport property is continually growing that total addressable market and bringing in new fans. Now, some of those fans might be hockey fans, soccer fans, baseball fans, basketball fans, you know, that you, they're in the world of sports. But some of them are also just people that want to come and enjoy a great experience. We are very fortunate here in Edmonton that our stadium is a 56,000-seater stadium. We've got the biggest stadium in the country. Now, to many people, they look at that as a disadvantage, like, oh my gosh, if you bring 20,000 people to the stadium, you're still only one-third full, right? So that means six out of 10 seats are, are, are empty, basically, even when you still have 20,000 people in the stands. But I look at it, and our organization looks at it as an opportunity. This allows us to give a very wide range of ticket pricing without cannibalizing on our fan base, but still introduce a price range that allows um, a more affordable family outing during the summer. It allows us to have a price point that can attract people that have never been a part of the game but are looking for a great night out. And that is all the things, uh, uh, you know, you pile on top of that our digital strategy. And our marketing team, I, I will say, is the best in the league. These guys are taking some of the practices and processes that are world-class and we have a long way to go there's a lot more things that we can do but you know aside from the Facebook page but if you look at our our TikTok account 
from, from our, our cheer team. That grew inside of six months to be one of the top sport um, official pages in the country. Our TikTok metrics smash the Edmonton Oilers right now on every major metric. Do you want to help us with the three down TikTok? We will, yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll charge you for it, but we'll help That's you. That's fair. Yeah. We'll start with our first dance. That will go viral. Oh my gosh. I'll let you do the dancing, but as far as the marketing department goes, from what I was told by the director of media relations, Evan Dome, the marketing department pitched guaranteed win ticket for your first home game when you're on this 17 game home losing streak. Yeah. And you have the confidence to say, yes, let's do it. Yeah. How? Well, our, our record is our record. That's a fact. So why, why hide from it? And the thing is, we, how I look at it is, that's our past, done. Sports is about hope. You start a new season with optimism. Every team believes, at least they should, believe that they can be champions. And if you don't believe you can be champions, and that's not what everyone in the organization is trying to do, then why are you in this business, right? Two teams go on the field and both teams want to win. Somebody has to lose, and that's the beauty of it. You know, someone's going to win, someone's going to lose, and I get it. For the longest time, the Edmonton Elks were at the top of this pyramid, and everybody hated us for our excessive amount of success. <laughs> now we're at the bottom, and we're going to fight our way to the top. I think our coaching staff, our organization, the front office, the coaches, everybody believes that we are putting together a winning team. And... I want to reflect across the board that confidence in that. Um, our marketing team had this great idea of the guaranteed ticket. I said, yeah, let's embrace it. You know, and and um, I guarantee you, if you ask coach, does he think that we're going to win? He's going to say, without a doubt. I mean, that's what he's building for, right? And that's why he was brought on board. So um, I'm happy that fans and media like took it up because the sales of it was outstanding. We had to open up another section for it, but. We took a section of the stadium that we knew would make sense to fill with this promotion. And hopefully those ticket buyers, when we do win, will come back and buy again. Right? Smart strategy. Well, I didn't do it. Our marketing team did it. I just, I just ride on their coattails. <laughs> as far as the ticket pricing goes, you've had an idea around getting families into the building and making it competitive across the CFL, maybe even Canadian sports landscape, to get those families into the building, what's the strategy there? Well, it had been a while since we actually revisited our ticketing pricing. So this new pricing structure that we have for 2023 is, is um, we have to see how it's gonna work. But the guiding philosophy around it was this, how do we bring 12 and under children to the game and make them fall in love with it, like the way that I did? when I came here, when my, the way my parents brought me. I mean, we would buy tickets. I would go with my mother to Woodward's to get a ticket. I've, I don't care about shopping. I just, wanted, I just knew that if I went with her, I could beg and beg and beg until she would spend some money on a ticket. And so how can we do that? I mean, that's, everybody, that's not a secret. How do you bring in younger fans? But the other guiding philosophy about it is Edmonton is a community-owned team. We are a registered not-for-profit organization. Our goal is to make our community better. Our goal is to make Edmonton better. And 
the money that we earn from this organization goes right back into the community. And that's how it impacted my life. My first scholarship that I got for university was from the Edmonton Eskimos. And that changed my life. It was because of that I was partly able to go, uh, afford to go to school. And so I look at this as an opportunity to come full circle and give back to the team. But I also want to figure out how do we continue to duplicate um, the benefits to the community from the football club. And one of the ways to do that is to provide affordable ticketing so that a family of four or six or whatever it is can come to the game and enjoy a great night. You talk about getting kids in the game. And I think of my nephews because they're so near and dear to my heart. But the Toronto Argonauts were fortunate enough to be gracious to allow us to go behind the scenes a little bit. So I took my two little nephews, Liam and Elliot, and actually Cohen. There's three of them. She's my niece. And after the game that we were there, they were asking all kinds of questions. And then they wanted to watch CFL. And to them, they didn't have any realization that it was any less potentially than the NFL or any different of a product. They were so overtaken by the experience of going to the Argo Stadium and BMO Field. So to your point of getting the family in there, I feel like when you just get them exposed to it maybe one time, you could have them hooked. Is that the way that you feel here in Edmonton? I think, I think in general, see, the, the, the key to growing our market is not trying to bring in four people and then convert 100% of those four people every time. That, that, that's, that's overly ambitious. What you want to do is bring in a thousand new people every game and then just get 10% of those, a hundred of them to buy one more ticket for the next time. And every game you try and bring in a thousand new people or 5,000 new people, that's the formula to keep growing your pie. But if you just try and bring in you know, one family at a time and turn them into a season, season ticket holder, that's a really difficult proposition. And um, so our ticket, our ticket approach relies on servicing our hardcore fans, our season ticket holders that have been very, very loyal to us, especially in these last couple of years where it's been difficult to, to justify a losing team, and, and, but they've been very supportive. So we want to make sure we do better and continue to grow to take care of them. But then you also have the fans that are, um, for the first time, coming to the game, and maybe they only want to commit to coming to three games a year. Well, how do you make that flexible for them so that you can come, you can pick one game at the beginning of the summer, in the middle, and at the end, or whatever it might be? Because I recognize today, families have a lot more options. They, when I was growing up, well, we couldn't afford to go anywhere else. So you stayed in the city for the whole summer. My parents were working the, the entire time. I don't even know if they saw me during the summer. I got on my bike in the morning and left the house and just rode around all day. Um, but today, families can hop on a plane, take WestJet, go to Vegas, take Flair, go to Florida, you know, like and for a hundred bucks. And there's all these other options. And, um, or you could stay at home and watch whatever content that you want. So I think we have to be better at finding ways to attract the fans, whether it's those behind the scenes experiences, letting kids get onto the field after the game and just throw football around. Those are all the little touch points that we want to do. There's so many options, and you touch on it, in terms of content and how you can potentially get your content in front of fans. And the league has been tied in terms of the live games to TSN for a number of years. That deal's going to be up after the 2025 season. And Pierre-Carl Pelladeau, the new owner of the Montreal Alouettes, has you know, sort of hinted that there could be a change there. And, of course, the business that he runs there at Quebecer. But with your background and what you built in Asia from a sports content perspective, 
could it be beneficial for the CFL to be on multiple networks or platforms in terms of their live content, or how do you see that? I think there's a lot of opportunities, and there are some great minds at the league that are leading this discussion. We've also partnered recently with Genius Sports to create um, um, CFL Ventures. So Genius Sports are you know, one of the world leaders when it comes to um, uh, sports data and technology. So this is really a leg up and helping us advance what the possibilities are two years, three years, five years down the road. Um, without a doubt, there is. I think that it would be foolish to say that the world of sports is not massively gravitating to greater and greater online digital consumption. Now, where the opportunities to monetize that vary quite differently, I would say even from province to province, um, as, a, as a league across the country, there are options for us that, that um, other leagues around the world have figured out how to make traditional linear TV partnerships work with the prolifer proliferation of digital content. So there is a world where those two can come together. And I would say that uh, 10 years ago, a traditional television company viewed online live streaming as cannibalizing on traditional linear TV. They're like, oh, this takes away our viewership. But data has shown over the last decade and a half that the opposite is true that actually the two are complementary. And when you watch TV, you want to augment it with a, another screen, a second screen experience. And in fact, when you deliver a second screen experience on your mobile phone, your iPad, or your laptop, a percentage of those choose to migrate to traditional TV to en engage in it even more. So it actually, when you work together, it's a win-win for all parties. Is that something that Genius Sports has brought to you in terms of the data, or was that something you found before you came to the Elks? Yeah, that, that's, that's something that, I mean, I've been fortunate to do sports business my whole life and, and seen some of the, you know, the best of the best, what they're doing around the world. And that's, that's the model that my previous company is on. That's the model that the NBA has, has led. And, um, and as we're not in a unique position, Many other sport properties were locked into a type of agreement that reflected the reality at that time when that agreement was made. But technology changed so fast. So unless you're able to revisit the terms of the agreement you know, in, in real time, it, it, it is difficult to adjust. We have a great partner with them, with, with, uh, with TSN as a league partner for our content. They work really hard. They, they also want to innovate. They want to see us succeed. and. Uh, um, so there's a lot of things in that discussion that are, are being revisited for future years. There's a lot of talk about Genius Sports and what it's meant to the league, but I feel like it's very broad. Can you give us any specific examples of how Genius Sports has either helped the league or the Elks? Uh, the future of sports business relies on accurate and an increasing acquisition of data. And when I say data, I mean not only of performance on the field, but of fans, of partnerships. All of these kind of metrics are critical for our growth. We've done a poor job in totality as a league of really um, being data first in our approach. When you partner with an expert like Genius Sports that thinks like that every single minute of the day, they help us realign our priorities. They help us spend 
our capex in the right area. They help us um, expand our resources in the right area of where we can have an eye to the future. Uh, one obvious area that's rapidly changing in Canada is sport betting. And if you look at fully developed markets of sport betting, like in the UK, where you can go everywhere and bet on every single sport property, and there's, there's an infinite amount of options to engage with fans with that. Now, there are those kind of opportunities in Canada. It's all different. You know, it's going to be regulated differently, and uh, we're clearly a different, different market. But there is new opportunities there that can be unearthed with a, with a data-first approach. So there are experts, you know, them... Genius Sports are experts in that area, and they're great partners with us, and those are some of the tools that we're developing. Is there a big potential, or can you categorize the potential in some way of sports betting in Canada? Because right now, as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's only legal in Ontario. There is, I believe, Play Alberta, and I think there's Play Saskatchewan. But what is that potential in terms of benefit for the league or the Elks? That's difficult because it hasn't been done before. Right? So at best you can look anecdotally at other markets and seeing how they've exploded and what they're doing. You can see it's clearly and rapidly grown into a, a mega multi-billion dollar business in several states in, in the U.S. Um, that's the case, in, as I said, in the U.K. That's the case in several countries in Asia. And so we will have to figure our own way for our own unique market um, that continues to protect the integrity of the sport, but also I think it protects Canadian citizens, you know, that in, in, in um, the best practices for, for sport betting. We know when you put a CFL game on TSN that it gets great viewership in comparison to anything else in terms of live sports content in our country. Is that an underrated aspect of the CFL? I think that the CFL, it would not be unfair that people see us as the underdog in sport properties. You know, we're... We, we know we're not the NFL, we know we're not the NHL, but that means we have a lot of potential to, to grow. Everybody recognizes that. And even that being said, the data shows that we continue to be one of the top-rated sport properties in the country. So audiences do want to watch us. Now, how do you make that even more relevant to a broader audience? Well, live, live consumption of sport content is changed so rapidly in these last five years, and I'll give this specific example, is many people today can now follow sports from all around the world and get their sports fix without dedicating three hours a day to watch the entire event. They can tune into you and listen to your opinion and get the highlights. They can follow a highlight on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and that is enough for your sport feed that you need to succeed. And so one traditional avenue, which the league is doing well, is driving television ratings, watch the whole show, peak viewership, et cetera, et cetera. The next magical piece that we have to figure out is how do we service fans with the right hit of sport content at the right frequency and the right length of it that is enough for them. So there is no magic bullet to that. Some people want uh, an infographic that they absorb in three seconds. Some people want a 30-second video. Some people want a 90-second video. And luckily, today, if you have your processes right, with one type of show and one type of filming and one strategy, you can produce 10 different versions of that. 
that service all of those different audiences. If you're efficient enough, you have to have put the right tools in place. You have to have the right um, um, automated processes in place. Artificial intelligence, all these kind of things are making this possible today that it wasn't there before. Now, our adaption rate of this technology is the question. Can we adapt fast enough so that we can get ahead of the curve before the next thing comes along? The good thing about being behind other sport teams is we can look at their best practices and copy it and figure out what works for us. If you look at the NBA, they led all sport properties in the world in digital live streaming. And that's why today the NBA as a league is one of the most dominant globally in the world. F1 took a different approach. They're like, our average, our, our average age of an F1 fan four years ago or five years ago was 63 years old. And they're like, well, how do we reach a younger demographic? Well, let's do a Netflix show. Now, that seems like a given today. Do a sport, a sport documentary. I was like, yeah, of course. But do you remember when they launched that? Think how crazy this proposition was. Let's do a show, multiple episodes, on a sport that the average age is 63, average fan base is 67 years old or 63 years old. And we're going to do each episode on a sporting event that's already finished. <laughs> you already know the results, yeah. right? So you're like, well, why would anybody watch that? But you can. You can, and you, you can get new fans. And so that shows that the traditional thought of you only capture fans watching it live because then the results are done and then nobody wants to watch it and there's no more value in that content is not true. You can find a way to extract great value even when the live sport is complete. The PGA has done that as well. Absolutely. Full swing great example. and ATP and WTA have followed. That's why I want to get your insight because it's so unique and I appreciate you for picking me up there. As far as it goes with football, because I don't want to take up your entire day, Chris Jones comes in. He's well-known around the league, the man that wears all black. I actually caught him wearing Lululemon, I think, for the first time at the CFL Combine. Can wow. you believe that? I bet you his wife got it for him. <laughs> it was actually G-Roy Simon that got him <laughs> into it. <laughs> and G-Roy apparently got him some Cole Hans, which I think you have on yeah. as well. So he's trying to get your coach well-dressed, although most of the time he shows up in black and he looks very much like an evil character. But coming off the season that he had last year, from your perspective as a president, like how much pressure is on him to have this team perform? I would say he doesn't care about the external pressure on him. He cares about the internal pressure he's put on himself. He's a champion. He, he wants to win. Everything he does, every minute of the day is dedicated to winning. I talk to him regularly and our calls are at 11 o'clock at night. That, that's, that's when we talk because that's when I'm free and that's when he's free and, that's, and we have, we'll do an hour call or an hour video call. And it doesn't matter what time of the day, he's ready to talk about the business of sports and our football club succeeding. Um, and that's part of his success is that he doesn't get distracted by this outside noise and the buzz. He, need, he knows what he wants to do. He knows how to build a strong team, both of coaches and of players. And that's what they focus on. And everyone's committed to the same mission. I would, I would say the one great thing about coach is that you know, we both recognized last season, we need to change. What we were doing wasn't working. Something has to change from our fans, to our partners, to the football game, to our players. To our, we have to change everything. So what do we need to change? Well, let's 
we spent last season changing a bunch of different things, trying some stuff, doubling down on others, et cetera, et cetera. We had the most transaction and players in, of any team of the entire league. You know, um, maybe we set a record, uh, a season record of transactions. It's a Chris Jones staple. Yeah, <laughs> but the mandate was, and what, what, what Coach Jones and I talked about is, okay, if we're going to do that this season, 2023, let's get stability in place. Let's do this change, and now let's focus on what's the foundation going forward. And that's what he's building. We've signed probably one of the league leading most number of multi-year contracts of players. You know, we've got a, a number of players that have chosen to make Edmonton their home. And all of these kind of things gives us the roots and foundation that we're able to build on. Now I get it. Maybe they might only stay here for two years or three years. But at least we have that two-year, three-year runway that we didn't have before. What was it like for you to develop a relationship with Chris, who I think, if I have the timeline right, was here before you were. He was. He was. Um, actually, he was a big part of me wanting to, to, to take on this opportunity. And um, as you know, like this is a passion project for me. And I, my, I want, all I care is about our city succeeding and our team growing and, and, our, and our staff and our coaches um, achieving their excellence that they want to unleash in themselves. You know, and I really believe in that and how do I help facilitate that and how can we be an organization that unleashes greatness in others. And Coach Jones, say what, you, what people may say about him, about um, the way he dresses or his sternness or whatever it might be. But without a doubt, nobody can question that wherever he goes, he builds loyalty. And you talk to ex-players, you talk to coaches, they want to follow him under his leadership. So why? There's something that he's doing great as a leader, that he can unleash that greatness in others, that he can build them to believe in what they, that they can be champions. And he has a track record of doing that. And so in that respect, he's a great person to work with because his mission is very, very clear in his mind. He's not distracted by politics. He's not distracted by, you know, shining lights and other things. He's not trying to be um, a star in the media. He's not doing any TikTok dances, you know, like not yet. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll try that. We'll put that on the radar. Um, and uh, he just he wants to win. And every day that's what he's focused on. And, and, and that's a great, great person to work with. Is there a record that he has to have to ensure that his job is safe? Or how do you view that? And I don't necessarily know if you've been in this position in pro sports with a head coach like that before. So I'm curious. Yeah. Well, my expectations of him is, is we want to see a Grey Cup ring on, 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 on our players' fingers. That's, that's, what, we're, that's what we're playing for. Um, now, the timeline of that is to be determined, I'd say. But uh, we're doing we're putting all of our resources and everything we can do to, to support the team to get to that. Signing a player like Gino Lewis, who's the highest paid non-quarterback in the league at $320,000. From the president's perspective and content, a lot of things we've talked about, how much of a tangible buzz can he create for this team to help you accomplish? You know, I don't want to go back over the whole interview, but a lot of the things that we talked about. I think the, the, in general, the formula in sports is you do need some superstars. You need some superstars like you need your Michael Jordans, your Tiger Woods, that, that kind of stuff that can transcend the sport. That's, 
that's a given. You know, you get that, that, that changes things. I think what's different about Edmonton is because we're a community-owned team, we want people that bring back to this community. We want to see that. Not necessarily do you live here, but do you go out to the schools? Do you, are you part of the charities? Is your family part of what we love here in, in, in the community? And in general, our team and our players are really good at that. If you look at our coaches and our players and all the community activities that we did, man, we are out there every week, every single weekend. And you know, we went through this period of, of the pandemic where we weren't able to do that. So now we're ramping back, back up. And I think Edmontonians really appreciate that part of it. So you have to have that element. It doesn't matter how big of a shining star you are. If you weren't contributing to our community, I don't think Edmontons, Edmontonians would be quick to embrace you. Um, the other part of it is we want, we want a team and players that reflect the values of our organization. Um, and that is a, a big part of Coach Jones's philosophy is it's not just about football. And I'd say across our organization, for us, it's not just about football. It's how are we making quality people? How are we contributing to, to, the, to their lives? And how are we helping them contribute to, to each other's lives? And that is a different approach. When you're looking at, it's not just the numbers of what can you deliver? What can you do? But also, well, is this person the kind of person I want to stand next to? that I'm going to say I'm proud to call my teammate, proud to be working with. And, and so that factors into a lot of our decision-making. You're not just saying that. You're actually out doing those types of things too. Like you contact season seat holders. Why do you do that? Well, because I'm a fan and I love it. Uh, you know, every game I sit in 12 different locations across the stadium. Every game. Three, six on each side, three at the lower bowl, three in the upper bowl. And I go around and I sit and I talk to different people and I, I want to hear what they have to say. I reached out to you because we have this great technology today where you can do that, right? I mean, in the past, if I wanted to reach out to 10,000 people, I'd have to hire a consultant firm and pay them a quarter million dollars, half a million dollars to interview 10,000 people. Then I get a report 12 months later that's already outdated. Now today I can get on my phone and do that and get 10,000 opinions immediately. Well, shouldn't you do that as a sport property? Shouldn't you do that? If you ask your fans, they'll tell you what they want. They, they, they want to tell you and they want to see you succeed. So all the criticism, I embrace it because I believe you have to hear that to get better. And um, uh, unfortunately, we have a lot of criticism, but that also means that we have a lot of things that we can get better on and, and improve. It also means you have a lot of passion in yeah. your fan base. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and I love engaging in that because I, that is exactly the perspective that I had of the team. I said, well, what is going on here? What are these changes? And I chose, instead of standing on the sidelines, because my wife is super smart and that's what she said to me. She's like, look, if you're going to whine and, and complain, don't stand on the sidelines. Either get in the game or, or, or shut up. And so I took her advice and said, okay, let's be a part of the solution. This has been unbelievable, to be quite honest. I usually don't like to judge people, but when you can feel an energy, like I felt in this sit down today, I can feel a passion. Like I can feel that you want this organization to turn around. And I usually don't say this type of stuff on camera, but I can feel it. So we've taken up way too much of your time, but we appreciate it. And 
even though we are unbiased in our coverage of Three Down Nation, obviously we want to see the league succeed because that's going to help us succeed even more. So we love your passion, and I'm just so grateful to share some time with you after way back when it was in 2019 when you reached out probably from halfway across the world. So thank you very much. No, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You guys are doing a great job, and I think you are one of the pillars for, for football fans to, to, to go to. So thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Victor. Appreciate the time.